Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, how we love your word. It saved us. If it hadn't been for your word, we would have perished away. Your word into our life. What a difference it's made. We're just so thankful that in reality it is light to our feet, light to our pathway. We're just so thankful we don't have to stumble around and wobble around in the dark, hurting ourselves and hurting other people. But we can walk with purpose. We are children of the day. We're children of the light. And uh, we're children of the resurrection. We're so thankful for a time of, of waking up. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Father, I thank you that more and more people are waking up. And just as in a house, people start waking up, it makes other people wake up because they make noise. Hallelujah. And, and so we just thank you for the divine noise that prayer makes. And uh, not, not just an audible noise, but Father, in the Spirit, uh, where people have, have uh, become intoxicated with the spirit of this world and are just out cold. I thank you, Father, for the refreshing presence of the water of God to just splash across our lives and, and wake us up. Amen. And, and people that it looks like they're dead, they're just sleeping. And so, Father, I thank you that folks are coming home. <laughs> Amen. They've just been sleeping among the dead, but they're not dead. They're just sleeping in a cemetery, but they just need to wake up. And so we just thank you. This is a time of waking up, and, and more and more folk are waking up. Let's just thank God that folks are waking up, waking up and coming home. Praise God. Oh, Lord, we love your presence. We love your presence. We thank you for the, the welcome that's in your presence. We welcome your presence, but before you ever welcomed ours, uh, or you, we welcome yours, you welcomed ours. And you did a great work to make sure that we have welcome in your presence. Oh, Father, we just take advantage of your presence. We come near to you by the blood of Jesus, not by anything that we have done, not by any good work that we want to put up like a banner, but we do broadcast that Jesus has made a way for us to come near and to fellowship with you. And we just do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we all lift our voices and either in, in tongues or in your own language? Hallelujah. Let's lift up a praise to God just because we have a right. Hallelujah for the right of prayer. Hallelujah for the privilege of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah that we draw near to you and talk with you and you talk with us. Ha ha. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless you, Lord. We do bless your name. We do praise your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you. <laughs> We're glad in your presence tonight. We rejoice in your presence tonight. Hallelujah. You've made our heart glad. Really, really glad. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, praise God. Well, you can be seated, and uh, we're going to pray a little bit tonight. I know that it's not the prayer conference yet, but we may jump the gun and pray. Would that just be okay if we just uh, prayed? Praise the name of the Lord. <clears throat> you know, I, I looked in my Bible, and that last song 
was just really good about awakening. And I could just see that. And I was reminded in Romans, the fourth chapter, a characteristic of the faith that Abraham demonstrated as opposed to, you know, uh, this righteousness that came along later, you know, as far as uh, an attempt at righteousness through works. Abraham just believed God. And God gave him righteousness just, or put it on his account, just because he believed God. But this kind of faith or this characteristic that Abraham had does two things. It does two things. And we see it here in verse 17. John 4 in verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the sight of God whom he believed. Uh, and this is the God that Abraham believed. There were two characteristics uh, that Abraham believed about God, who gives life to the dead. So we believe in a resurrecting God. He gives life to the dead, and he does something else. He calls things that be not as though they already are. This is one, these are two characteristics of our God. Our God is the resurrection. That's one of his names. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. It's not just something I do. It's who I am. I am the resurrection. And then I call things that be not as though they already are. And you know, uh, you know, there's just this aspect of this believing God that sees the end and says the end before other people can see it. Anybody, anybody, it doesn't take a squat diddly of faith to say, that you're sitting on a chair. Doesn't, doesn't take any amount of faith at all to just, you know, describe um, one, of the, one of the characteristics of this room. But things you can't see, you either have to be fantasizing or dreaming, or you have to actually see them with another set of eyes. And all of us do have two sets of eyes. Ones we see natural things with, but other things that we can see the past, see things that aren't in this room. We can all visualize our own homes. We can see even the future. Oh, yeah. You say, how, how do we do that? We, we can picture going to work tomorrow, or we can picture going to school tomorrow. We can picture maybe if you have something planned uh, in, later on in the year, you can plan. You can see doing that before you even do it. And uh, my lands, when the Word of God paints a picture on the inside of you, we say the end before we see it. And where it comes to people, where it comes to the plan of God, God is using our faith to declare the end from the beginning. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, before we go any further, we're going to get into the Word in just a bit. But I believe we're just supposed to use use our tongue. I, this is going to be kind of interactive. Is that okay? Uh, let's use our, our faith, our voice, the voice of what we believe in our heart. At, but let's say some things that we're believing right now, even about uh, the, the dead being raised. What I mean by that is people that either haven't been born again that you have in your heart, maybe whole groups of people. Uh, or maybe people that uh, 
appear to be sleeping, but God is waking them up. Let's call them awake. Let's call those things which be not as though they already are. It doesn't take any faith to say what something that's already happened and is standing in front of you. It doesn't take any faith. But it pleases God when there is no other reason other than just believing God when we can rejoice at something that isn't seen yet. Let's just do it again, shall we? And I won't have you stand up. If you can, you can do that from your, your chair sitting, can't you? Stand up on the inside, though. And let's lift up our voice. And you thank God in advance for something you haven't seen. Amen. Call those things which be not as though they already are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I call. I call his body well. Him, him whole, spirit, soul, and body standing complete and full in all the will of God. Oh, God, I'm so thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you go with me into uh, Luke, the 18th chapter. Folks in this church believe that Jesus is coming again. That's good. Yes, he is. He's coming again. Jesus gave a parable in Luke, the 18th chapter. And he said, in the 8th verse, the last verse, he said, I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. Now look at this last phrase. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find it? He was challenged. Jesus was challenging people there. Will he find? And so you have to back up to see what in the world he's talking about. And he's talking about, he's talking about prayer. He actually, uh, he all, he actually says what he's talking about in verse 1. He said he told them a parable to, you, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not turn coward. The Amplified says to faint, lose heart, or give up. And so then he's going to tell them this parable about this woman. I think it's funny you use as a woman as an example of somebody who is just boneheaded and will not give up. Anyway, this widow, uh, you know, kept coming to this judge and asking him to protect and defend her and give her justice against her adversary. In verse 5, it says, Yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she gives me intolerable annoyance and wears me out by her continual coming. And at the last, she comes and rails on me and assaults me or strangles me. Good gravy. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not the Lord God or our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect? Who cry to him day and night, will he defer them and delay help on their behalf? I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith 
And this kind of faith is the kind of faith that he's talking about in Mark, the fourth chapter, when he's talking about four different kinds of soil. And in the good kind of soil, you remember there were those four different kinds, the good kind of soil that did bear fruit, he said they bring forth fruit with patience, or that word patience also means just will not give up. It's like a persistence that just keeps on until it gets exactly what it, it starts out to get. And so, uh, this last verse that we read then about this parable, when Jesus is wrapping it up, he said, when he comes, will he find this brand of faith, this quality of faith on the earth? And I believe, I believe he will. I believe he'll find it in coming Georgia. Amen. And I know he's going to find it in, in McKenzie, Australia. Praise God. That's where I live. There's just some things... Uh, there's just this quality of faith that when time says no, when symptoms say no, when circumstances say no, when everything says no, something on the inside is stuck on a dial that says yes. And so the louder the no the more strong the opposition, instead of it caving under the weight of that, instead it grows stronger as it continues to give glory to God. It just will not give up. And so we're going to look at that in relation to, to prayer and contrast it with what Jesus was talking about in, in, um, when he was instructing on prayer. He said, don't be like the heathen that think they're going to be heard because of their much speaking. And I, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to watch, um, you know, some religions of, uh, you know, some other kinds of religions that they, um, they'll pray. I know here a couple of years or a year and a half ago, we were in Nepal again, and uh, that's where we have our uh, orphanage. But we went up into the Himalayas where there's no mountains. You have to trek up. And uh, up into those mountains. And, and because people can't pray fast enough to, to you know, relieve themselves of, of uh, the need to get something over to God or to earn the answer. You feel like if they can just pray it long enough and hard enough and fast enough, they'll, they'll earn an answer. And so they have a prayer wheels, or they'll have prayer flags. And the prayer flags that blow in the wind, each prayer is, a, is on a flag. And as the, the wind blows the prayer, then those, um, or the flag, then their prayer is, is praying. That's clever, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's really clever. Can you hand me a Kleenex? I forgot to spit my gum out. I'm about to I'm about to spit it out on you guys, and I don't want to do that. Excuse me. I've never done that. But anyway, but here in coming Georgia, praise the Lord. Anyway, sorry about that, guys. You forgive me, won't you? So anyway, uh, the, the, these prayer flags that blow in the wind do their praying, praying for them. Uh, and then they also have prayer wheels, and they... 
it just it's um, something that they put on a, a stick or a post. And as it goes around and around and around, there's, there's beads in there that are prayer. And they make those, those, uh, their, those prayers are going around and around. They couldn't pray that fast or that much. So they just sit there. Clever, eh? So, but anyway, Jesus was saying, don't be like the heathen that think you're going to be heard because you just say something over and over. You just learn to say something. You just say it over and over. And you, we think that we, we say it long enough and hard enough and fast enough and loud enough and, and gather more and more. You know, we put more and more muscle into our prayer. And he said, don't think you'll be heard for that. That's not what gets prayers answered. So then you think, well, what does? Because then you hear Jesus here in Luke, the 18th chapter, talking about persistence in prayer. Well, so what do you do? Do you, do you pray continually or do you not? Which is it? And so this is the deal. This is the deal that helps us, and it kind of backs up to what we were talking about this morning. When your life is grounded in him, he is what he, I'm listen, listen to this, he feeds your prayer. He feeds it. Instead of it being a muscle action or a, 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 something that you're trying to produce yourself, he feeds it. He told me this, and it just so helped me that my life, my person, my, my spirit, soul, and body is like a riverbed, just like a riverbed. And he emphasized the word bed. It's at rest. It's at rest in prayer. But I cannot give out in prayer unless I'm what? I cannot give out in prayer as a river gives, gives out unless I'm what? Unless I'm receiving. But if I am receiving, I have to give out. It's got to come out. People that are really receiving something from God, you have to give it out. You have to. It's got to come out. And it does come out. It just works. So, so that's why I, I wanted to back up to where we were this morning. Because sometimes we can get real excited in the area of prayer, like praying for Israel or praying for the nation. or Because we're going to be jumping into some of those, those things of, of how we can work together with the Holy Ghost. But if we miss this important part that our very prayer life is fed from the heart of God, then we start taking it on ourselves to produce something. And I've done, oh, guys, I just want to just cut some, cut some, uh, you know, unproductive hours off of your time in prayer. Uh, just don't even go that way. I've gone that way. I've, you know, set out to, well, okay, I'm going to really give it, you know, s really do something. And the more I did that, the more conscious of myself I became. Or the more conscious I became of what I was praying about. If you clap eyes on, on what it is you're praying for, you're praying for somebody that has a problem, 
by the time you're done praying, their problem has gotten so big. It's just like, oh, God. And then when you come to pray again, it's, it's not because you're inspired from within to pray by an impetus of the Holy Ghost. You're inspired to pray, which is not a true word. You're provoked, really, to pray by a problem. And then a, a, a prayer that learns to pray, well, actually, I wouldn't even say a prayer, a person who prays uh, only by provocation of the devil, he just can jerk you around. And the throne won't see you until he's done something other heinous in your life or somebody else's life. And you'll pray harder when the problem is worse. If it's not much and you don't care much about those people, then you go, oh, God, help them, bless them. But if it's somebody close to you, you'll go, oh, God. Or if, if, you, know, if you can see pictures of how devastating it is and it affects your emotions more, then it's like, oh, God, you get right into it. And we think that's spiritual. Maybe not. Maybe not. So, you know what, though? I'll tell you this, what he does. He allows us. He's so sweet. Let me give you an example. In Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, these, these people came to seek the Lord. We see there in Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, it said that, Judah was surrounded with three enemy armies, the Ammonites, Moabites, and Mount Seir. They were surrounded by these three enemy armies. Jehoshaphat, the Bible said, feared, and he set his face to seek the Lord. And they, and they called a fast, a prayer and a fast. So sometimes problems can be what, what actually does blow the shofar in, in so a way, you know. It does awaken us. Sometimes people just will not wake until the devil stabs them in some place of their life. And then suddenly they're like, oh, oh. And do you know what? He's so sweet. Even if the only time that people ever look at him is when there's a problem, he never turns them away. You know why? Because there's something about him that's a doctor. People tend to go to doctors when they're sick. And the doctor doesn't say, how rude of you. I haven't seen you since the last time you were sick. Isn't it true? And there is that in the, in the heart of the father. And so, so sometimes it's, it is problems that provoke people and do wake them out of something, and they, they, they see that they need to pray. And he welcomes. He just welcomes. But once people are awake, they can be aware of other things other than just problems. They can be aware of the plan, the plans and the purposes of God that haven't even happened. If, if we're only praying about problems, then we're praying about things that have happened or are happening. And usually, they have something to do with what the devil has done. Isn't it true? Something that is either stolen, killed, or destroyed. So we're doing a lot of cleanup after the devil. 
So, but that's okay. That's, that's good. And there can be effective prayer to clean up problems that the devil has done. But once we're awake, we can become aware that God has a plan. And we can start praying. Guys, listen to this. This still thrills me. Into the future. We can pray into the future. We can pray about something we haven't even done yet. We can pray about something our kids haven't even done yet. We can pray about the end of this year. We can pray into next year. We can pray even into, you know, even into some years to come. That's amazing. Well, if we can do that and actually, actually pull the plug on some of the devil's plans, we'll have less cleanup to do. I don't know, somehow it makes sense to me. You have to be awake. I'm really glad we sang that song. He is waking people up so that we don't, we don't, we're not staggering as sons of God. It's, it's not becoming as sons of the living God to be staggering like j- drunk or comatose, like, you know, and laying about. Let's be up and erect. Amen? So, uh, so we see that this, this quality of faith that he's talking about here is relentless. It's like the waves of the sea that just will not give up. Just won't. And Paul prayed the prayers that he's praying because he was fed. He was fed from God. Uh, The love that God has from his heart has nothing to do with us, has nothing to do with our actions, has nothing to do with how nice we are, how good we are, or how bad we are. The love from his heart is relentless. It just keeps on coming. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. And when you're wonderful, he's wonderful. And when you're horrible, he's wonderful. (laughs) And when you're faithful, he's faithful. And when you're unfaithful, he's faithful. He's just always relentlessly the same. And he's just wonderful in his sameness. So what happens when we're grounded in him, when our prayer life has that, that hidden rooting in him, then we become relentless too. Relentless. We love people unconditionally. They're nice to us, and we love them. The next day, they spit in our face, and we love them. You just don't change. You just don't change. And people look to see if you're for real. And you're for real. But it isn't, it isn't even you. It's like you can't even take credit for it. You can't even say, uh, yeah, well, you know, isn't that something? You know, the love of God is really something in me. No, I'm just a riverbed. Just passing on to you what's coming my way. Hallelujah. And in that riverbed type of a, an attitude in prayer, you know, I'm, when I'm doing this, I'm saying I'm receiving from the river above and giving it out this way. Not hogging it, not kinking it up, uh, but not trying to produce something either. Just praying more and more and more. No, receiving it from above, letting it just pass on through. Woo! Uh, I remembered this 
up at my grandmother's in Colorado, she had, um, she's in heaven now, but she had a, what we call a creek out the back. And, um, oh, it was wonderful, you know, because she lived right up, really, really up in the Rockies. And that water was ice cold. And that was just so clean and clear and taste wonderful and everything. But uh, it was one time when I felt depleted because I'd been given out a lot. And I was laying down. I was just, uh, just, I really wasn't trying to even pray. I was just trying to, I don't know, I wasn't even trying to do anything. I was just blah. I was just like, blah. <laughs> but anyway, I got to thinking. He started helping my thoughts, and, and, and he reminded me of that creek. And he said, if I went to that creek and took out a, a cup of water, would it be missed downstream? No one ever downstream would ever miss it. If I were to take out 100 cups of water, I mean, just as fast as I could take out cups of water, would it be missed? No. No. Well, what if I, what if I took out buckets of water? Also, no. What if I took out a bathtub full of water? Also, no. Also, no. They would never, they would never even know down below that anything had been taken out at, at, you know, at this place. Why? Because it's being fed from a, a higher place. I'm not the source of the river. I'm not the source of the river. If our own goodness or our own kindness or our own patience or our own uh, whatever ever gets to be the source, you're going to run dry. And if you have run dry, it's just because somewhere we got, we got to just taking it out of ourselves and, and just forgot about this root place up here that we're drawing from a source. Just continually being fed. You just lay there. Just let it come on through. Praise God. Isn't that a beautiful way to think about prayer? So when you read prayers like, or when you say things, see things like what Paul said in front of his epistle prayers, can we just look at a couple? It just, if you'll just go just so we can see these words in our eyes and put them together. Um, if you'll... Look at just a familiar one. Uh, let's see. Ephesians, the first chapter, for instance. Well, even 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the fourth verse. I thank my God at all times. Uh, that's a lot. He thanked God all the time for these people. Then in uh, Ephesians, Ephesians, the first chapter, this prayer here, notice how it starts out. It says that in verse 16, I don't cease to give thanks for you and making mention of you in my prayers. He was just praying all the time. How do you do that? Then we go over here to Ephesians, the third chapter. And, uh, and he bowed his knee under the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say he did that all the time. But let's go to Philippians, the first chapter. And in verse 3, he thanked God in all my remembrance of you, and in every prayer of mine, making requests with you in joy. So in every memory of them, he prayed. In Colossians, the first chapter, we see that he 
said in verse 9, For this reason also from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you. So, and, and uh, uh, Thessalonians also, we continue to pray, especially intense earnestness, day and night. Good gracious, that's in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. So he, he's just praying all the time. In chapter 5, verse 17, it says, be unceasing in prayer. Wow. Ephesians, the 6th chapter, in the 18th verse, it says to pray with all kinds of prayer all the time in the Spirit for all saints. Paul, how'd you do it? Well, if you are the prayer, if you are the prayer, that's going to be exhausting. And what's even spookier about that is if you take it on to do pretty soon, you're going to, you'll either absolutely wear out or what's even spookier is you'll get proud about being a prayer. I'm a prayer. And you'll have prayer lines. <laughs> and there'll be this thing, yes, I was praying. I'm always praying. You'll start attracting attention to yourself as the prayer. I'm telling you what, he's the great intercessor. <laughs> and so when we're connected and we're rooted in him, we're just simply articulating his prayers. And even though it does use our spirit, it does use our soul, and he does use our mouth, he does use our will, we're not feeding it. He's feeding it. And it's, it, it, I tell you what it does is make you just love him because it is unceasing. You unplug, you know, you, when you get done, because you have, you have victory, you know what he, you prayed what he wanted you, but you knew in, a, in the next minute there'd be something else that he'd, he'd have you pray to. And it's not a frustration. You don't feel like, am I praying enough? Because even if you prayed an hour, I should be praying another hour. I prayed on, if I fasted on Tuesday, I need to fast on Thursday too. If I fast one meal, I should be fasting too. And there's always that guilt that you're not doing enough. Did anyone else have that? Now, some people didn't ever have any guilt about not praying, but, but that it, it can be a frustration if you're not doing enough. But you're never going to do enough if you're plugged into yourself. And the devil will make you feel, get so self-conscious in prayer that it'll, it'll neutralize your prayer because it, it will seem like we'll say prayer changes things. No, God changes things. God changes things. But the one way that he causes those things to be changed is through articulating his will through prayer. And it is perpetual. It is relentless. It is absolutely continual. He is always aware of needs all over the world. And any time we are open to praying, there it is. And instead of there being prayer times, it just ends up being a prayer life. And instead of there just being a holy time, a sacred time, 
your life begins to be sacred. He just takes over the whole thing. And you can just be aware of prayer. Here's another way that we can, we can see this life of spontaneous prayer. If you'll look in, in your uh, Bible back in Luke, the 19th chapter, Jesus said something else about prayer. You can't go wrong with what Jesus said about prayer. You're going to hit the target uh, with what Jesus said about prayer. And he said a lot about prayer. Jesus, Jesus lived this life of prayer. He could never do anything without the Father. And he did a lot. And he could never say anything without the Father. Well, if he didn't say one word except he got it from the Father, and if he didn't do one thing except he got it from the Father, then he must have been continually receiving. Because it wasn't like he spurted out something you know, every other week. He, he was a constant flow of great things. So he was in constant communion with the Father. Well, then that can't be Tuesday afternoon prayer. And I'm for Tuesday afternoon prayer. For me, it's actually Thursday afternoon prayer. I got a prayer meeting on Thursday afternoon. And I got, you know, Tuesday morning with uh, prayer school at, at uh at noon with the students, and, you know, I've got different things like that. But, oh, my, you want to be conscious of God 24-7. So when it's like that, well, you're just conscious of God. He just moves into, oh, well, I'll show you a way. This makes it really easy, guys. It takes the spook out of, out of it, like, it, 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 just, it just makes prayer really easy, all right? Okay, uh, Luke 19, verse 46. That Jesus was talking here. <laughs> Do you know what I love? I, I'm, this is just a little break here before we look at what Jesus said. Do you know that people all over the world are praying for the church in America? They see, they see what's going on. We're not so aware of what other nations are doing politically. They know that, too. They talk about that. We're notorious around the world for not knowing about what's going on in other parts of the world. <laughs> um, we do a little bit, but um, not like they're aware. And their newscasts are a little bit different than ours. Our news broadcasts are a lot about what's happening here. Uh, their news broadcasts are really very global. I don't know if somebody's lived internationally or not, but uh, it, it's, it's more global. But because our nation affects every other nation in the world, uh, they, they all have their eyes on what's happening with us. So having lived, having lived almost the last 20 years outside of this country, it's been interesting to, to watch with their eyes our country. And so churches all over the world are praying for our country. They're praying for our country right now in this season. And um, they have been praying for a long time. But do you know what they're praying mostly for where it comes to our nation? They're, they're praying for the church. Because they know that's where the answer's coming from. It's true. They're praying for the church. That means they're praying for, for you. They're praying that, that, that the church 
arises and, and wakes up. Because it's, it's the most glorious thing of this, of this land is, is the church. It's beautiful. So uh, anyway, I don't know why I told you that. But anyway, praise God. Luke, the 19th chapter in the 46th verse says this, telling them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. In another gospel, uh, when Jesus said this, he said, it'll be made, uh, actually, it wasn't another gospel. He's quoting this from Isaiah, the 56th chapter. He said, and, and there it's written, it'll be made a house of prayer for all nations. So everybody has, again, equal access. Everyone can come and pray. But he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, he was saying that right out in front of Solomon's temple, which just a few years later was going to be torn down. I don't know, maybe some of you have ever been there. Probably you have been there. And, uh, but that, so that huge temple was torn down, and every stone of it was removed. It had been an exotic, glorious temple, but it had been absolutely torn down. But, and Jesus prophesied that here. But he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Well, they were thinking, they, they were thinking building. They were thinking building. And the temple will be rebuilt. And so it has a double meaning. But later on, Jesus said this in Matthew, the 16th chapter. He said, I will build my, my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But more even specifically is this, because uh, each of us are living stones in that church. We are part of the stones of that church. Paul said by the Holy Spirit, he said that our bodies are temples, the temple of the living God. So your body is the temple of the living God. So think about what Jesus said. My house will be called a what? So your body is called by God. What does God define your body? Your body is called a house of prayer. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Because we think about our spirit being, a, you know, in, in union with God and everything. But even your body is called a house of prayer. Now, how cool is that? So pretty much anywhere your body is, is where you can pray. You can conduct temple business anywhere your body is. Now, if you leave your body someplace, I don't know what about it. But anywhere your body is, you can pray. You can pray in bed. You can pray getting ready in the morning. You can pray at, while you're eating. You can pray over a cup of coffee. You can pray spontaneously while you're driving. You can pray as you're walking and coming and going, like in just short breath prayers. It, when you have longer time to give, we can give longer prayers. But as long as we're in the body, we can pray. Now, one reason why he uses our body in prayer. Can I come down? Um, one reason why, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, one reason why he can use our bodies in prayer is he actually doesn't only use the eyes our, that I mentioned before, our inside eyes. He uses your eyeballs. <laughs> he uses what you see. And he uses your ears, what you hear. 
And once you ever start working together with him, the adventure begins. Because he will have you be someplace on purpose to see something with your eyes. Your eyes then don't just become, they don't just serve you and your life. They serve him and his purpose. He will make sure you see things that will, you'll, you'll know what he wants to have prayed. He'll have you hear things. He'll have you be around somebody. He'll have you sense something. He'll have you be always in the right place at the right time in your body. That's pretty cool. I know for me, I know for me there's been different, um, because I have for years prayed about the nations. I have that in my heart. There's basically three different platforms of prayer that God works on. Uh, you know, like this is a platform. Well, this would be a demonstration of what's happening. We have, like, there's three different uh, uh Paul told the church in Corinth, there's three groups of people there to not give offense to the Jews, the nations, and the church. And so we have, we have the Jews in action over here. God's working with the Jews. He's working with the church. He's working with the nations. And they're all different things. He's doing different things at different times. And sometimes we're only aware of something. Our, our dear sister here, and I think... Uh, you know, there's diff this church is pretty involved with, with Israel. Not all churches are. There are some, uh, some churches are more involved with, I don't know what, but anyway. But, uh, but you know what I mean. You know, some, some just aren't as aware. But, but God is, some people are, are heavily involved in different, different ones of these platforms. But we have to know that God is working simultaneously and uniquely on all three of these platforms. So cool. So, uh, but I would pray a lot over on that platform of the nations. Well, then, you know, I think, I th think this morning, um, you know, I said, yeah, we're already ever in the States. Hardly ever. For the last 20 years, hardly ever. But 9-11, we were. The, the morning that Princess Di got killed, you know, and it was early in the early morning, we were in England. And, 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 uh, and then I flew straight from England to South Africa, which is a Commonwealth country. And I, I remember mourning with that country. I, I, I had a different perspective than what I would have had had I not been in South Africa. Did I say I was in South Africa? And so Johannesburg. And, and so I remember uh, it, it exposed my sight and my, my senses to something I would not, it would have gone over me. I would have seen it on television, but to be there and to hear them, it, it was just different. There's been several different things of, of national event like things like that where just being there. At the right time, in the right place. Sometimes God wants you there. And so, uh, I, just, I just think to be a Christian and not let him absolutely have your whole body is to sign up for the economy package when you could. <laughs> when you could be having, you know, like the first class package 
it just to me, it'd be just so curious to see how radical could Christianity be if you really take this and do whatever he wants to do with your life instead of just eat peanuts three rows from the bathroom in the back. There's, there is a, a, a wonderful life in God. He works with you spirit, soul, and body. So he'll have your eyes. He'll have you see what he wants you to see. He'll have you hear. I remember, um, this has been years ago, and we were living in Italy at the time. And uh, I was, we were in between, we were having a conference, and uh, I was up in the room with my daughter. She was pretty little at that time. I think she was maybe in the first grade. And uh, I remember uh, Bellasconi was on television. And, uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I was, I was sitting on the end of the bed, and I just had an unction to pray for. I saw him on the news. Well, you can just watch the news, or he can watch the news through your eyes. And I, I had compassion for him. I said, oh, Lord, start helping him. Well, that just rose up in my daughter then. Because if they get exposed at a young age, that their eyes have different meanings than just seeing colors and whatever. But to expose their, their hearts. When Jesus saw the multitudes, it's with these eyeballs. When he saw the multitude, he was what? He was moved with compassion. And it actually ended up moving him physically to the people that he needed to heal. And it didn't just happen once. It happened over and over and over. That was one of the direct, uh, the direct accesses to the spirit of Jesus Christ was through his eyes. Isn't that something? And through his ears. That's why you have to protect your ears and your eyes. Uh, uh, through his ears, he heard somebody saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And, uh, and he was moved with compassion. So, um, yeah, so my daughter got up and went to the TV and laid hands on him. Laid hands on You You can do that. You can do that. I remember, I remember uh, this was in, in um, when we first moved to Brisbane. Maybe we'd been there a year or two. And uh, I just happened... We don't watch the news often, and very seldom. But we just turned on the news, just felt to turn on the news. And uh, we were watching the national news. And there was a report of um, riots in Melbourne. And Melbourne is a very, um, you know, it has, it's very multiracial. Now Australia is becoming multiracial more and more. But in Melbourne... There's a, a large group of, of folk from India. And uh, a lot of these Indians come over. They're quite educated, quite educated, but because they have to get recertified in the United States, a lot of times they'll drive taxi. Uh, they could be a pharmacist or a dentist or a professional of others, but they have to get recertified, so they'll drive taxi or do a lot of other you know, other kind of jobs that are below what they have been trained to do. Well, 
there had been a lot of racial riots down in Melbourne, and, uh, and there had been a lot of violence against the Indians. And, um, and they'd gotten beaten up, and da-da-da-da-da. Well, this, this particular broadcast was to say that there had been a young man stabbed 11 times in Melbourne, and he had been, um, he had been left to die. His life hung in the balance. And so I saw that, and I saw that. Listen, I saw it, and I heard it. But something happened in my spirit. So I prayed, stopped right there, and I said, Oh, God, that young man, send labors to him. Help him. Spare his life. I ask you for mercy for that young man. That's probably all I prayed. What is that? Six seconds? That doesn't even... How, how can God even move in six seconds? But we're not talking about length or volume. We're talking about response to the whole, just passing on the prayers that you get. You don't have to say more than he gives you, but you don't want to say less than he gives you either. Just say what he gives you. So that's about all I said. Well, sometime, some months later, my husband and I went down to do a conference in Melbourne. And... Uh, we, uh, we got in in the evening, and the conference had already begun. And this, these Italian people were going to pick us up. My husband's obviously Italian. And uh, they, they had been looking forward to picking us up. And uh, they speak Italian, you know, and dad to dad. So we do, you know, do, do the thing with them and talk about food and all that kind of a deal. So uh, they had been, but actually they were really needed in the conference. They had a, you know, they were, really used in the church. And so the pastors asked us, they said, would you mind, we can't, we feel bad to even ask you this, but could you just take a taxi? Because actually we need all of our helpers. We don't care. And we don't care at all, you know. And uh, so, uh, and so, but it was a long taxi ride because it was about, mm, about a, at least 15 minutes to the, to the hotel. And then we went from the hotel on to the church and got there after the service had already started. And so we got in the taxi. And you know how you ride in a taxi. You don't ride in taxis that much here, but in Singapore we rode taxis all the time. But, uh, but usually when you ride in a taxi, you get in the back seat. Tony got in the front seat. And I got in the back seat by myself. And I'm thinking, what's he doing getting in the front seat? So my husband's in the front seat, and I'm in the back seat. And, you know, because they drive on the other side there. This guy's over here, and he's an Indian. And so my husband starts talking to him. He notices that there's a plexiglass cage around him, which they installed in the, in the uh, taxi cabs there in Melbourne for the protection of the taxi cab drivers. So my husband looks around the cage. Oh, my husband. He looks around the cage and he said, oh, I see they've got some protection for you here. I heard about all those stabbings and, you know, all of that, all of that violence. And that guy didn't, didn't say one word. But I was sitting back here in the back seat and I could see his eyes. His, his eyes got real big. And he's like, 
who are these people in my car? So from the back seat, I said, it's all right, sir. It will be really nice and everything. Because <laughs> you know? now we're going to be in the car with him for 50 minutes. So we started driving, and Tony starts talking to him. And he wants to know what part of India it's from. He, wants, he tells him that he's trying to start to cook Indian. He's not very good at it yet. He's way better Italian, but he's giving it a go with the curries and stuff. So he's asking him what kind of spices he uses. And um, he's so into cooking. He, he goes back in the kitchen of restaurants. You're not even supposed to do that. But anyway, he does. But anyway, so he, he, he's talking to him about food, and he's talking about what part of India are you from, and what did you study to do, and all this kind of thing. And then one thing leads to another, he, uh, and he finds out that he's Hindu. And so Tony says, well, I'm Christian. We believe in Jesus. And he just starts talking to him about Jesus, about the person of Jesus. And, uh, and then he got quiet. It just got, felt quiet for a little while, and we just rode in silence. I sat in the back seat and just prayed in the Holy Spirit, just real quiet. And Tony, I found out, did the same thing up in the front. And pretty soon he started talking again, talking to him about Jesus. He said, would you like to ask Jesus into your life? And the man said, yeah, I would. And Tony almost said, really? Which is <laughs> <laughs> real easy. He said, okay. He said, would you like to pray now? You could just follow me in this prayer. And the man said, no. He said, I'd, I'd rather wait till we get to the hotel because I want to really pay attention. So we rode on and got to the hotel, and we pulled up in front of the hotel, and the man turned the car off. And Tony said, would you like to pray now? He said, I'll lead you in a prayer. And the man said, yes, I would. I'd like to pray. And so Tony led him in a prayer, and he asked Jesus into his heart. And, um, and I was sitting up on the seat like this in between, and um, I said, um, I said, you know, sir, God has a real plan for your life. We could have ridden in any taxi, but we just want you to know God has a plan for your life. And he, he looked and he said, yeah, I believe that. He said several months ago, and he named the time, he said, I was stabbed 11 times. He was that man. He was that man. He said, I was stabbed 11 times. He said, I was left out on the sidewalk, and I, I, was, I about bled out. He said, by the time somebody got to me, uh, you know, they thought I was gone. They called my relatives and, and everything. He said, I got a doctor that cut me open. He pulled up his shirt and showed us his stab wounds. He showed us where they operated on his heart. He physically massaged his heart. Jesus saved his life so he could save his life. Isn't that the coolest thing? But I don't watch TV often. Don't watch the news often. I was just moved because God wanted to use my eyes. Your body is a house of prayer. You're like a walking blessing dispenser. You're like a walking devil, devil's work destroyer. <laughs> That's good. 
Not everything can happen from in here. We're like, we're like mobile, mobile homes for God. RBs. Bless the name of the Lord. Isn't it right? So, yes. And so we were able to hook him up with another guy that was in that church, another Indian man that was, uh, you know, that could help work with him. Gave his life to Jesus. I like that. Sign me up for that kind of program in Christianity. It gets your life out beyond yourself and, and lets you touch heaven and bring it to people, bring answers to people. He moves into your dreams. He moves into, he, he makes you meet up with people that you wouldn't otherwise meet up, or if you did meet up with them, you wouldn't recognize it. But being aware of him, you're, you become aware of people. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. Uh, tomorrow, I, I imagine there's some things in my heart to pray with us uh, for the nation. But before we pray for the nation, we're going to just pray by the help of the Holy Spirit of whoever is in your heart. And what I have in my heart is this. There are people that have been in our heart for a while. Some people we've prayed for for a while. Uh, but then there are some people, the way that God will move with you tonight is that there will be like a parade of people, just a parade. And you won't hardly pray very long for any of them. You pray for somebody and then somebody else, you say, how will they, just, you'll, you'll just either think of them, or you'll think of their face. It could be somebody you saw and you don't even know their name. But God will remind you of them again. Let's get it. Let's do it. Let's, let's work with this. Let's let these waters pass through our life and let's get some. Because from this place, from this place, while we pray tonight, because we're praying as an assembly, the hosts of heaven will work with us. Protection will go. Direction will go. Assistance will come. Protection. Like this young man. Oh, wow. Great things can happen. Right from here while we're praying. So, Father God, we thank you that our bodies are temples of the living God. Oh, right now, let's bless our bodies, shall we? Thank God for your body. Oh, Lord, we don't curse any part of our body. We bless our bodies. We're so thankful for our eyes and our ears. Oh, we lay hands on our eyes and bless them. Hallelujah. My eyes are blessed. My eyes are blessed of God to see what you want me to see. My ears are blessed of God to hear what you want me to hear. And if roots, the root of my eyes and the root of my ears are in something toxin, I give you permission, Lord Jesus, to bring that to my attention so they can be put in heavenly things and in good things. My senses, my hands, my feeling. My nose, my mouth, my taste, everything, oh, of my senses, Father, is dedicated to you. My body belongs to God. Hallelujah. We present our bodies. Let's stand up and present our bodies, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Oh, this is our worship. Use our bodies. Use our bodies. Yea, Jabadakeri of Resamba. 
Hallelujah. Use our bodies tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you have prized our body as your dwelling place. Your best and chosen dwelling place is, is our bodies. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If there's a part of your body that's been malfunctioning or having pain, go ahead and lay hands on that part of your body right now and bless it and bless it. Hallelujah. Declare a blessing on it and call it well. Hallelujah. Call it well. We call bodies well. We call it whole. We call them these bodies healed and whole. We call those things which be not as though they already are. Our bodies functioning full and complete in all the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I call my body whole. Oh, I bless you in my spirit and my body, which is God's. My body gives glory to God. Amen. Oh, Brajelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelel
every church, you know, every assembly together is, is for God to talk to that assembly and that assembly to talk to God. But there is an assignment on this church to pray. And there's an anointing on this church to pray. And he said he was increasing the supply of that anointing in this church to pray. <laughs> and he said that this church is a house of prayer for all nations. <laughs> Amen. And he's going to give you more and more eyes to the nation. Some of the eyes, some of the eyes, just see eyes uh, of some of the living stones in this church. That this church is like the, like the beings in heaven around the throne that were full of eyes. This church is full of eyes. And its eyes aren't inward. Its eyes are looking outward. And so the Lord is going to open the eyes of many people in the church to different nations and different things in the nation. Hallelujah. On all, all three of these platforms, praise the Lord. Amen. A church that's really aware really aware of God, first of all, and really aware of what God is aware of. Hallelujah. A church that is moved with His compassion. Amen. Because of what this church sees. Let's just receive that in the Lord. Receive that anointing. Amen. And, and, and that's, that's all the way down to the little bitty kids. Hallelujah. Everyone included. Uh, the, the, uh, hallelujah. The youth and the children just pulsating with a consciousness of what God is aware of. Hallelujah. It won't be a heavy thing. Instead of it being a heavy thing, it will carry you. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for it. 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 Hallelujah. 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 And such as you have, that sensitivity to the Spirit, such as you have, you'll be able to give. And so uh, some of the other people and, and even, even other bo uh, bodies of believers, uh, that same sensitivity will be fed into them. And so it'll just start spreading um, that, that awakening. Hallelujah. Just an awareness. There are some things you're not aware of when you're sleeping, but you are aware of when you are awake. And hallelujah, there's, a, there's an awakening, uh, something, a, a supply of the Spirit that's just going out to help people wake up. Let's just praise the Lord a little bit about that. <laughs> 